0: Why, hello there, and welcome back to the podcast. This is the Pure and Simple Bible Podcast with Jonathan Edwards, and I'm very thankful for you and for your continued support. I do get text messages and uh, messages on different kinds of social platforms, etc. Uh, from people who are listening. And I just want you to know, I really do appreciate them. They are very helpful for me. It's encouraging to hear which episodes are some of people's favorites and uh, how the podcast is helping people get through work or the dishes or laundry or the commute, wherever they may be listening to it. So thank you, brothers and sisters and friends and everyone who's listening. I'm very grateful for your support. We are in the middle of a great Bible conversation with Brother Greg Gay about living and dying with dignity Now, last week, we defined what dignity was, as well as the the false dignity that a lot of people have where it's really steeped in pride. Now, we finished up talking about as people grow older and they're not able to do the certain tasks that kind of came naturally how to live in that older age with dignity. Specifically, we've left the conversation on a cliffhanger of what happens whenever you as a younger person see somebody who is unable to accomplish that basic task. How do you help them do it? How do you step in just the right way to both be sensitive to their needs, but also be helpful? This week, we should finish the episode with a good discussion about dignity in death and as a Christian facing death, but also this really cool gospel connection that I think Greg did a great job of weaving into this uh, discussion. So without further ado, let's get right back into it, shall we? Well, it's not in the notes, but maybe I could ask, how does somebody who is fully capable, how do you delicately or uh, gently, I guess, be forceful about that? How do you help somebody transition who's obviously past that phase is there a way for Do you just go get the trash and take it yourself the how do you help them accept that
1: well I think you end up trying to notice those things that are no longer as they once were and then very politely say why don't we get you some help with this or that why don't we figure out another way to where this is something that you're not bothered by And it can be as easy as, hey, I have Tuesday afternoons free. Why don't we go to the grocery store then? And all of a sudden, the person has a new lease on life. Sure. Because they don't have to face it alone.
0: Yeah. That's good. You have a couple of quotes here um, on living and aging with dignity.
1: So this is an elderly lady. um, And you can see that she has lived a long time and experienced a lot of life. Uh And I don't know why this picture was chosen, but I think it's very appropriate for the words. To age with dignity and grace, we must learn acceptance. Life has showed us time and time again that there is much we cannot control or change. Mm. So here we are, and we represent everything that life has ever brought to us. And how are we doing with that? Some things we do well, some things we don't. And if we live, more's to come and then another quote just in general regarding dignity is the ability to stand strong and tall in the face of adversity while being able to bow to the elderly and crawl with children (laughs) dignity is taking a stand for your beliefs without closing your mind to another's opinion dignity is being an example by your deeds and through your words avoiding gossip anger and lies dignity will manifest itself in the warmth of your smile the depth of your love and kindness for your fellow man
0: Mm. I like that first part of it about bowing to the elderly yet crawling with children. Yes.
1: (laughs) Isn't that fun?
0: (laughs) My first year as a school teacher, I was a kindergarten teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I had to, it was a very humbling experience to go from being a college student to then working full time with (laughs) (laughs) five-year-olds.
1: I was thinking, this is why I went to school.
0: (laughs) But then I moved up to fourth grade and I stayed there for several years. And I have been amazed how even now I haven't I haven't taught school professionally in five years. Uh-huh. But uh it's an art almost to talk to a ten year old. Yeah. especially if one you don't know before. And it's amazing how adults often struggle talking with children who yeah. aren't their own. Yeah. But uh yeah, part of dignity is to bow with the elderly and crawl with crawl the kids. With children.
1: So, and you see that at church. Now, one of my anecdotes, not in this at all, but Clovis Cook, uh, used to come to Lee Summit there in Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, the church out in the country out of Lebanon where I was raised. He came there quite often to preach, and from the time I was knee high, I still remember Clovis bending over to speak to me and talk to me. Mm. You know, from the time I was just a little little guy, he yeah. made me feel very special. Yeah, and we can we can bend to make a child feel special, or we can just stand up and ignore them and wonder why we lost them, you know? <laughs>
0: well, I have the same relationship with many preachers. They're probably your age, and you know we're two different generations of folks, but uh, uh, yeah, there's men who would come and stay with us, and they would speak with me as though I was there, and then there's those who didn't, yeah, so.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, in the study, uh, you kind of move towards dying with dignity on, yep. the, on the next line. Uh-huh. And uh, so we've spent some time now talking about the perception of dignity that maybe people have that needs to change Or where it's not about puffing oneself up, but about, you know, being a humble person. Some of the basic skills that it takes to live with dignity. And then that last slide, we didn't talk about it much, but I like that word acceptance. You know, yeah. part of mm-hmm. dignity is the acceptance of mm-hmm of life. But now we move on to death. Yeah. And what it means to die with dignity. Um, you start off seems pretty clearly stating that suicide is not a death with dignity. You want to explain?
1: I yeah, this is uh, if you go back and those who are older will remember a name, Dr. Kevorkian. Yeah. who was very active in physician-assisted suicides. And it was presented as the solution to life's problems. Right. If you're ill, just take your own life. Let, if you're not let me happy, die with dignity. Yeah. Right? If you're if you're not happy, just take your own life. And the whole thing was that is a death with dignity. Mm-hmm. Well, it it was not, and the reason it's not is because it's not the ending God wants for anyone. Right. Okay? That's the reason. But if we look at suicide as a concept. It is the 10th leading cause of death, at least as of 2017, according to the CDC. Right. Uh, over 47,000 people chose to take their own life. And it's second uh, leading cause of death among individuals between 10 and 34, and fourth between individuals among individuals who are between the ages of 35 and 54. And there's twice as many suicides as there were homicides. That's tragic. Well, it is. And so what is, what, is the, what is the thinking of a society that says the solution to life's problems is to just end your life? Well, if this life is all there is, uh, then you could see the point of that. Yeah. But this life is not all there is. And whenever you look into those who have taken their life, it is an amazingly selfish act. Uh, it ignores all of the goodness that others stand ready to share in life. Mm. Because all of us, our hearts go out to someone who are ill or troubled in any way. Um, and for someone to just turn their back on all the help that's available in our society even is a very selfish act. And it's just, it, it adds to the sadness. Sure, it adds to the sadness when that happens.
0: What would you say to somebody who, maybe they might uh, bristle at some of the comments you've just made and say, well, that person obviously was not in their right mind. Yeah.
1: Well, there there is an aspect for mental illness. And when someone is not in their right mind, we will not know that. Many of us, we're not trained in that. Sure. There are those who are And there are those illnesses that can result in individuals making the decision to take their own life. When it is from a basis of illness, Mm. that is truly an illness, God will handle the disposition of all of those things. We can't, because we do not know. But when someone is, quote, in their right mind, and makes a decision to end their own life, that's a totally different situation. Right. So our hearts go out to all of those who've had any type of a mental illness in their family where someone has made made that decision. Our hearts go out and it just breaks our hearts when things like that happen.
0: Right. Well this, I mean the second co- leading cause of death between the age of 10 and 34. Yeah. Maybe it's just that it's more commonly reported now. I, I don't know, but no. um, with my background in education, it's, it's just awful whenever yeah. children mm-hmm. um, see that as a way out of mm-hmm. whatever difficulty. Uh, you know, my heart goes out to them, to their family, to their parents. I can't imagine. But, like you said, uh, in regards to those who have mental illness, there's a scripture that I've used with some people about not understanding God, but having trust in Him. It's Genesis 18, verse 25, where he asks a rhetorical question to Abraham Will the Lord of heaven not judge rightly? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, that gives me comfort. Right. You know, that yeah. even if I can't figure it all out, he's going he's yeah. to. I'm glad he's the judge and not me. Of course. Right.
1: And so, areas like that, do we agree with someone taking their own life? No. Do we know their heart? No. We don't. Right. And so, God, God does and God will take care of all of that.
0: Well, maybe there's some scriptures um, that you could share related to this on dying with dignity. I see, for example, in Acts 16, maybe.
1: Well, this was a fascinating area for me to discover years ago. Um, Paul and Silas are in prison. They've been miraculously released, and the keeper of the prison um, was asleep and obviously thought that his prison was secure. Mm -hmm. He was awakened, Acts 16, verse 27, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Now, in the Roman Empire, if you're a guard and your prisoners escape, you pay with your life. Right, life for life. Yeah, so he was only doing what would have been done to him Mm -hmm. now however paul interrupts him he cried with a loud voice in Acts 16 28 do thyself no harm for we are all here Mm -hmm. now the key word in that passage is the word harm okay now paul didn't say you don't need to do that right now He doesn't say, oh, that's not a wise thing to do. He just says, do yourself no harm. And digging closer into that word harm, according to vines, it means whatever is evil in character or base, it denotes what is useless, incapable or bad. So don't do this bad thing to yourself. Right. Well, is that something God would bless in his people? No, it's not. Therefore, we can look at this passage as a guide for people that would say, well, life is just horrible. I may as well go ahead and take my own life. No, do yourself no harm. Don't do that. Yeah. Now, would, could he have lost his life? Yes, that would have been the honorable thing to happen for him in his position, but not the taking of his own life. Mm. And the other example we have of this is Judas. Uh, Judas was on the steps for godly repentance and doing quite well he came to himself he realized what he had done was wrong he tried to make amends he went back to the to the Sanhedrin and said I have sinned and that I have betrayed innocent blood he gave back the money he made restitution and he was well on his way to doing I think he could have gathered with the disciples with the Apostles and said I really blew it um, but I'm here yeah he didn't do that he took his own life and he lost opportunity that he had to become uh, what Jesus wanted his followers to be and the the verse that helps us with all of this is Ephesians 529 now the contextual setting here is both of the church and the family right and in particular how is a man supposed to see, him, see himself? And the man is supposed to nourish and cherish himself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's not supposed to hate his own flesh. So how does a man see his relationship with his family? Well, not from an, not from an attitude of hatred. How does he see his relationship with God? Not from a source of hatred. Um, he nourishes and cherishes who he is in bodily form and that's what god wants for all of us.
0: I'm going to read it real quick. Ephesians 5:29 for no man ever yet hate his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the, the Lord the church. Um it's used in the I think the previous verse to say that why one should love their wife. Yep. Right? Mhm. And so then the example is be, because it's obvious that nobody would hate their flesh but you're supposed to love yourself yeah uh, then that same type of love should be passed on to your wife so it's considered
1: a rhetorical question yeah a rhetorical statement yeah it's it's a given yeah
0: um to die with dignity the next slide i don't even know if i can pronounce that fanatopsis okay it's a wonderful
1: word (laughs) But I didn't know what it meant until okay. I, I did this slideshow. It means meditation on or contemplation of death, hmm. and it's a poem by Willan William Cullen Bryant. And this is just one uh, verse of it. I've heard Ronnie Wade use this portion of this poem in his main prayers. Really, the way he weaves that into a prayer is just beautiful. Oh, I'd love just to wonderful. hear that. So the poem says, So live that when thy summons comes to join the innumerable caravan which moves to that mysterious realm where each shall take his chamber in the silent halls of death, thou go not like the quarry slave at night, scourged to his dungeon, but sustained and soothed by an unfaltering trust, approach thy grave like one who wraps the drapery of his couch about him and lies down to pleasant dreams.
0: Mm.
1: And Ronnie's point was, May we die like that. <laughs> <laughs> there's that's almost shakespearean yes it is uh,
0: we're now at the point where we're going to look at philippians chapter two yeah which is in your title slide yep you know so we've spent uh according to the timer about an hour building up to this now granted you know, we've, we've gone down a few different rabbit holes along the way, but that's just the way I roll. Um, perhaps I could read it, yep. and then you could offer some insight on the scripture, but here we are. Roman, uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross.
1: The emptying of himself is his humility, Mm -hmm. not the deserting of him being God. Right, so, as a doctrinal point, he is still at the same time both God and man. But what did it take for Jesus to become a man? And what was he willing to do? Mm-hmm. Um, well, he was willing to make himself nothing. He was willing to empty himself. and one of the things that we can look at with Christ and his humility is one moment he was in position as the Son of God in heaven, the next moment, the writer of Hebrews talks about, I come to do thy will, O God. And the next moment, Jesus was developing, dividing cells in Mary's womb. And it's like now, when it says he emptied himself, he made himself of no reputation, what was he willing to do for our salvation? It's like wow, yeah. <laughs> that's that's absolutely amazing. It is, and then the next in the next slide, the amplified translation, which is both a translation and a commentary, okay, um, says, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, mm. so as to assume the guise of a servant. So, what was his rightful dignity? Well, Revelation 5:12 worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing that's jesus rightful dignity
0: your next question you ask if i can take on the role of asking these uh how much dignity
1: did christ have when he was on the earth when we look at appearances he had the most when he did his miracles when he turned water into wine, when he healed the sick, when he cast out demons, when he raised the dead, when he fed the multitudes, when he rode a donkey into Jerusalem and people cried hosanna, it would appear that his dignity was at the utmost level it could possibly be.
0: And The the apex at the transfiguration, right, when his, you know, the glory is almost completely revealed. Uh But what about the latter? What are going to be some of the times when it's most emptied?
1: If we were to look from afar at what was going on, what would we think about that person when the soldiers mocked him, struck him, when the armed band captured him in the garden, when everybody fled from him, when he was clothed with a purple robe, scourged, uh, carried his cross through the streets and fell, when he was nailed to the cross, when he was stripped of his clothing, and he just hung there writhing in pain we would say there's no dignity there. But it depends by whose standards we are measuring dignity. By the world's, had we been looking from afar, we would have said he has no dignity. But by God's standards, he's the fairest of the fair, the wonderful lamb without blemish or without spot. Mm -hmm. And so what did he do to preserve his rightful dignity? Nothing. He could have. Like a lamb led to the shears. He did nothing. Yeah. He could have called the angels and he could see those angels, you know that. He could see those angels. They would have been so bewildered, the angels of heaven. They didn't know what was going on. All they knew is that Jesus was in trouble and they were ready for the command to take him down. And just the slightest word from Jesus, it would have happened but he endured it all.
0: I really enjoy the way you've crafted this sermon. I'm hoping now that I'll get to hear it uninterrupted. I keep interrupting you. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's something special about hearing a presentation with the questions, and I think that's why people enjoy this podcast. There's also something special about hearing it uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. Um, but you ask a question following that, and if I could summarize maybe before we get to it, uh, we have considered what the world's view of dignity is, what maybe a more uh, biblical view is in relation to being humble, the acceptance of dignity as we go through life towards death, but also the dignity in death. And then we've now moved into the gospel's realm of Jesus' dignity. You ask this question now that we've kind of, as we come to the cross and we consider the Lord, you you turn it back to us and you say, well, well, then what is our rightful dignity? How would you answer that?
1: God proclaims us to be amazingly special. And the psalmist in Psalms 8, uh, verse 3, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. So we have been made in a beautiful, beautiful way, and we are honored. And in fact, Genesis 1, we are in the image of God. Mm -hmm. So whenever we look at the universe, we didn't happen by accident. Uh, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Well, we're made in the image of God. We're, we're very, very special. So we started out, in the next slide, we started out with the utmost of dignity. There is a passage that talks about God has made man upright, but he has sought out many inventions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we started out with the utmost dignity, but where have we ended up as mankind? Well, Romans three, verse 10, there's none righteous, no, not one. Mm. And what happened to us? Well, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what happened to us. And sin is that great separator between us and God. And without something to help us, we cannot have a dignity before God. And so, the next slide, Romans 3.24 being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we can have the dignity that we possess when we're born as mm-hmm. sinless babies, we can have that restored through the redemption that is available in Christ Jesus. Therefore, go ahead.
0: Well, I was, no, I'm, I'm not going to take this as the crowning bullet point.
1: Well, therefore, there is no true dignity in this life without Christ and there can be no true dignity in death without Christ but having Christ in life gives us Christ in death and gives us the greatest dignity in both
0: there's a common phrase that's put on church signs and it says no Christ like with the letter K no Christ no peace comma and then N O, no know Christ, no peace. Yeah. That has actually become a highly insulting uh, phrase to people who are not believers. Mm-hmm. And I've read on different outlets where when people have that, or I've seen maybe an athlete that had that on their shirt that was criticized mm-hmm. because the thought is, well, how selfish to think that I couldn't possess a measure of peace unless i was a christian yeah how would you respond to that based on that bullet that you just gave
1: well whenever we look to what god wants when we respond to his call our life has to include christ to be complete anyone can have a good life without christ but they can't have a good future and they can't have the best life mm-hmm. without Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree, and yeah. the, the second part of your of that sentence, there is no true dignity in death without Christ. Death is an enemy, Yeah, you know, people. Yeah. I've heard one preacher say that he was kind of uh, upset with the phrase that we're here to celebrate the life of so-and-so who passed away, and it's a celebration service you know Mm -hmm. and he says what the bible tells us that death is the last enemy to be destroyed and Mm -hmm. so the way i guess putting it into this perspective the truest dignity one could have in death is to die in christ because without him there's no dignity for the next life
1: yeah so we have angels that rejoice at the passing of a saint we have other angels that rejoice at the passing of a sinner i trust Mm. So we want to make sure the right angels rejoice. <laughs> so one paragraph I have here is there's dignity that comes from a relationship with Christ that goes far beyond any dignity we might achieve and possess in this life without God. That realization is supposed to motivate us to serve God well. It helps control both how we will choose to live and how we will choose to die. We want to be a faithful child of God in this life so we can be victorious in death and in eternity Thanks to God's love and Christ's sacrifice for our sins, that makes us very, very special. I feel like this is a
0: enlightened summary of the Book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> you know. Yes. Do so you have this? <laughs> Let us b- hear the
1: conclusion of the whole matter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh,
0: what What exactly is my purpose in life? Yeah. I look at everything I've done and everything I've tried to gain for my own pleasure, and it is just empty it's mm-hmm. meaningless mm-hmm. what's the conclusion to serve god and to honor him especially in the days of your youths before yeah. evil days draw nigh mm-hmm. anyway you read through that and i think man it's almost like god had a plan for us to think about mm-hmm. how to prioritize mm-hmm. how to have dignity
1: yep what is uh you have a scripture here romans 8. beautiful passage that i think illustrates the concepts we've discussed uh romans eight thirty five beginning there who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord
0: amen well brother this has just been a a great conversation for me i'm wondering if before we Uh, turn off the record button. Is there any other thought or closing remark you'd like to to say before we finish?
1: I think all of us seek dignity where we are. When we're a small child and we start school, we look around and see what shoes somebody else wears. (laughs) And we determine our own self-worth or our self-respect about because of how we fit in right at some point as we grow and develop we need to say how do I want to fit in with God in mind mm-hmm. first and if we can if we can get over trying to fit in with the culture around us as a priority and make sure we're fitting in with what God wants first then I think our dignity will be intact in our own heart and in our own conscience even if we sometimes don't have the right shoes in life. <laughs> well said.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming in. You're very it's welcome. Been a, a Enjoy. Excellent conversation. I'm very thankful for it. I'm so thankful for Brother Greg coming into the studio, spending some time with me during his stay down here in Texas for his gospel meeting at the Green Oaks Church of Christ. I wish him the best and Godspeed in his work up in the Oklahoma area. And I'm very thankful again for you listening to this conversation with us about living and dying with dignity. Like I say every episode, you can go to the website www.pureandsimplebible.com. It's all one word, and there's a lot of great resources for there that are there for you to use. And I'm not going to tell you what they are. Maybe if I leave it mysterious, it'll, be, it'll make it more interesting for you to go and check it out. But you can. You can go there and everything on there, it's downloadable, absolutely free. So, until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true. About a judge by the name of Gideon. he was a man like me.